Hi, friends. I'm Mandy. And I'm Missy. And we're the Wayward Homesteaders. In this podcast, we will talk about homesteading and homeschooling. We will cover topics like food preservation, gardening, unschooling, and all the things we enjoy doing with our families. Grow with us as we talk about creating a homestead full of poop, plants, permaculture, and everything in between. Hey everybody, this is Mandy from Chapel Hill Forge. And this is Missy from Homesteading Root. So today we're going to finish our podcast series on food preservation. So we're going to be talking about pressure canning today. We've covered dehydrating and drying, freeze drying, water bath canning. And freezing. And freezing, right. I knew there was something else we're getting. Um, so you can find all of those in this series on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So we left pressure canning for last because everybody seems to be the most scared of it. So it seems like most people are comfortable with freezing. Um, A good bit of people are comfortable with dehydrating or drying to some degree. Um, Some people are definitely comfortable with water bath canning, whether they just, you know, once a year they do pickles or jam or something. You know, they grew up doing it with their grandma or that kind of thing. Um, and then people that have freeze dryers are probably already comfortable with that. If you're not, freeze drying, I realize, can seem like this weird off-in-the-distance kind of thing. So today we're going to talk about pressure canning. I know when most people hear pressure canning that are not comfortable with it, all they think about is, like, blowing the roof off their house because that's what I always thought when I started, you know, thinking about pressure canning. So when I started pressure canning or I was thinking about it, I bought a Miro brand pressure canner off of Amazon and I hated it and I took it to my parents and I'm like listen either I'm really dumb or this thing's really dumb I don't know but I can't figure this out so we like tried canning some water you know just some tests to so we didn't waste anything um and we just could not get it and I was so frustrated with it so I said forget it we're not pressure canning we'll figure something else out so then my dad was doing some research and he learned about all American canners and they're probably four to five hundred dollars they're a little salty but they're worth it and i mean i don't know how it wouldn't last forever i mean it's there's not annoying parts that are gonna go bad or rot out or any of that stuff right um also they're made in america and i realize that's not like some cure-all for everything but they are super super sturdy and well made um so missy and i both have all american canners um when you get your canner so it's going to come in this massive box um i have the 930 model you probably don't know what model you have do you um i don't know off the top of my head so there are single stackers and double stackers so i have the one that holds 14 quarts missy's holds seven quarts um which 14 quarts is pretty awesome i mean when you go to all that work to like prep ground meat or prep bone broth or whatever and you can you know rock out 14 quarts at once that's pretty awesome so i love that feature about this canner um you know because if you're familiar with water bath canning you can do seven quarts in your water bath canner um so when you get your canner you're going to get this huge box um you'll get this nice sturdy canner um it'll come with the weight which will have 5 10 and 15 for the pressure um the gauge with the dial is already like attached to it if i recall i think it was already attached we didn't have to attach it um and then it comes with two racks So one rack goes in the bottom and then you like line your quartz and then you can put the next rack on and put your quartz, you know, on the next rack. Missy's is a little bit different. She just puts her rack in the bottom, loads her quartz, and then, you know, that's it because she doesn't have a one that's that's double stacked. Um, 
So that's kind of when it comes. That's really it. There's no like you need to oil the top ring, which it kind of gives those instructions. All American has a really great video on YouTube and I think it's on their website. Um, just kind of about the basics of it and how to get started. I probably watched that video. It's short. It's like 10 minutes. I probably watched that video. I don't know, 15 times. Don't mind our like colds and snotting and coughing. Um, I probably watched it like 15 times. And even still, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to just rewatch that and make sure. So that's a good little video. It's really, it's just short and to the point and what you need to know. Um, as with any kind of canning, um, yeah, a lot of them are out of stock. Missy was just looking at the website and a lot of the all American canners are out of stock. So if you're looking for one, um, you might need to maybe see if you can find one secondhand or something like that. Um, I'm guessing probably during COVID these started getting a little slim. That's the only reason I got the smaller one was because I couldn't, the, mm. the larger one wasn't in stock and yeah, yeah. So as far as supplies go, you really just need the same supplies you need for water bath canning. So you need a jar lifter, jars, lids, rings, you know, maybe a towel to put on your island if you, we talked about this in water bath canning, but, you know, because of thermal temperature differences, you never want to put a super hot jar on a cold countertop. So if you have, you know, granite or we have um, formica or whatever, you know, marble, whatever, whatever you have, if it's cold, you don't want to sit it on that. So a nice thick towel to sit your jars on. It's always a good idea to have down on your counter. So other than that, that's really all you need besides whatever you're going to process. Um... So I'm going to have Missy talk about flat top stoves. So there's a lot of times a misconception that you cannot pressure can or water bath can or use cast iron skillets on flat top stoves. So I'm going to have her talk about that. So I think it's recommended that you check with your stoves manufacturer just to see what the weight limit is on the flat top stoves. But you definitely can can on flat top stoves. The only issue that I believe is the weight limit because you don't want to crack it. Now, like Mandy said, the larger canner holds, what was it? 14. F 14. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that can get heavy when it comes to water. And, <clears throat> sorry, the canner itself is heavy. So, yeah. um, just check with your manufacturer to see what the weight limit is and, um, you know, go from there. I have not canned on a flat top stove. I've always canned on an electric stove. Um, I, I don't know. I've heard people say that it's harder to keep an accurate temperature on the flat tops. Like you've always canned on one that has coils. Yeah, the coils. Electric yeah, coils. coils. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have experience, you know, to be able to talk about whether it was better on that or you know, with gas or whatever. Jessica from Three Rivers Homestead, if you follow her on YouTube, she cans on a flat top stove and she cans like mad and has yeah. no trouble. Mm -mm. So talk about like coming to pressure and how you, you know, with an electric stove, what temperatures you go to and all that. Okay. So when I start mine, um, I put in about, I usually put them in, in about an inch of water then I put my rack in, then I load it. And then if I need to add a little bit more water, I do. You don't want to completely submerge your jars like you do in a water bath canner. You want to have it be like halfway up on your jar, the water level, and then put your lid on. And what's nice with the All-American canners, they have pretty much it's one way on, one way off. Because the way you put it on, then lock, turn to lock it, there's little arms that like go under. And then you have the, what would you call them? 
like I was trying to like knobs. a wing. They're like a big wing nut yeah. kind of. Then you put them on, um, and then I what I do is I crank mine up to high, and then that gets the water going, the pressure building, and then the next step is you're gonna want to wait to hear a constant, st- steady stream of steam coming out the. Is it the gauge holder? The whole, I mean, the whole, thing? you'll see it. Yeah, it's like, it it's where out. your weighted gauge goes. Right. And then you want to let that run for 10 minutes. You want to see that stream consistent for 10 minutes. Start a timer. I do it every time. Once you get the consistent stream for 10 minutes, then you're going to put your, your weight on. Now you're going to have to check on your recipe or in a canning book or whatever to see what you're weight recommended weight is in florida our recommended weight is 10 here in pa it's all 11 so do you do 15 on yours so i do i do 10 on my weighted gauge and my dial gauge goes to 11 okay yeah so um and that's the nice thing about the all americans is they have the the two gauges um so you know if one fails or whatever you know you always have the one as a backup which was the whole reason I bought an All-American was because I had the Presto prior, mm. and... It was like I, mine. Yeah, I, it, I had to get the gauge checked every year, and in Florida, I didn't, couldn't find anyone who would check the gauge, so I was, didn't feel comfortable using my pressure canner without the gauge being checked, you know, due to moving and all of this kind of stuff. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with an All-American where I have the two options. So, um, once you drop your weight on, you're going to wait for a rattle. You're going to start to hear the rattle. You're going to want four rattles per minute. Now, don't get hung up on, oh my gosh, it rattled five times per minute or I only did two times. Just keep an ear close and, um, you know, just make sure it's rattling. I don't sit there and count. I, you know, let it go. If you'll hear something, if it makes a different hiss or something, it'll, it'll catch your attention. But, um, and it's kind of loud. Yeah, like, it's it's loud. kind of obnoxious. Yeah. So then I, when it starts to, when I put the weight on and it starts to rattle, I turn mine down to about seven and then that usually keeps the rattle consistent and I let that run for however long you need to process, you know, usually 90 minute minutes or whatever. Um, I let that, the timer go for that. And then when you're done, when it, the 90 minutes are up, you just turn your burner off and let it sit there and let it naturally come down to pressure. So you'll see your pressure gauge will slowly start decreasing. When it gets zero, then take your little weighted gauge off, sit it beside, and don't lose don't it. Don't lose it, have Lord. mercy. Right. Oh. Um, but be careful, it is going to be hot. So don't just touch it with your bare hands. I'd use a, pot, a glove or something. Um, so put that aside and then just start to undo your wing nut slowly. I do. Do you do cross from each other? Like I do it as if I were changing a tire. So I do like one go across and I don't, I don't tighten it down hard the first time. So I like do it gently, go across, do it gently, keep crisscrossing and then go back and tighten them up. Yeah. And then I just, you just take the lid off, set that aside. And like I said, it's going to be hot. They do get, the canners do get hot. And then lift your jars out like you do with um, water bath canning and put them on a towel or something on your countertop and then listen for the wonderful ping sound. Mm-hmm. Let them sit for 24 hours yep. undisturbed, that whole thing. So we say not to lose your weight because good <laughs> grief. Bud and I were doing ground venison and ground bison one day. 
we had let it cook like overnight in the roaster. We were all ready to go. Of course, we were like on a time restraint. I should know better than to do it on a day I got to leave. Um, and we had 14 jars loaded up and we were ready to lock the lid on and I can't find the freaking weight. I, I was so unbelievably frustrated. Oh my gosh. So don't lose your weight. They're expensive. I couldn't even get one from All-American. I looked on Amazon. I found one for like $25. Um, so we did find it eventually. It was in the sink for the love. So we found the weight. Whatever. We got... We, I recanned it while Missy was here and it was all fine. So don't lose your weight. Um, so... As far as, so I cook on a propane stove. Obviously, same procedure as what Missy does, but I never put mine on high because I would get siphoning like crazy. So I usually start mine, our stove gets super hot. Um, I usually start mine between low and medium, and then when it's got its steady stream and I'm just trying to get my fours a minute, um, then I put it like pretty close to low. Um, if I go, as I was learning to do this on our stove, you know, the higher I went, I got so much siphoning, so, which is not, I mean, you don't want siphoning because you're losing food, but like if you get siphoning, it's not the end of the world. As long as your jar is sealed, then you're fine. Most of the time, as far as anything I've ever canned, the headspace is an inch for pressure canning, um, which is much different than water bath canning. Most things for water bath canning, I feel like are a quarter inch, you know, jams and applesauce and things like that are much smaller headspace than one inch. So, um, if you get some siphoning, you know, it's just kind of annoying, especially if you're doing broth or meat or something, because then everything's got that, like, meat goo haze on it, and then you have to, wa you know, wash it with soapy water. You want to wash everything up anyway, but you know what I'm saying. It's just a mess. So, as far as the foods that you need to pressure can, um, you know, obviously with anything else like this, you want to follow food safety guidelines and all of that. So, I can link the ball canning book in the show notes. Um, and then I can link, I have a different pressure canning book too, that I really like. Um, so, I'll, and it's just pressure canning. The ball book has both, but as far as foods that you're going to do anything low acid is going to have to be pressure canned. So we're talking, um, like chunks of meat, ground meat, broth, you know, if you make bone broth or something like that, um, low acid vegetables like green beans, carrots, corn, potatoes, stuff like that. Um, you can also do meals, which is really cool because if we were in like a, you know, shit has hit the fan situation, it's nice to just have stuff that you can just undo the lid, dump it and go. Or, you know, if we're not getting extreme and we're just talking, you know, it's just a busy summer day in the garden and taking care of animals and all that normal stuff, um, it's nice to just dump something into a pot, heat it up, and be done. So, you could do things like beef stew. Um, you could have beans ready to go. So, we love doing ground meat and having beans ready because we can heat that up, throw it in a tortilla, um, and we have like burritos and it takes literally less than 10 minutes to make dinner. So, um, things that I pressure can a lot, I would say are ground meat because I'm trying to free up my freezer space all the time. Um, broth because I'm always saving our animals bones to make bone broth. Um, I'd like to this summer do corn and potatoes, um, and maybe some beans. So a lot of what I want to do, I, I'm not really as into pressure canning a lot of vegetables just because the texture is oh it's okay i mean they can get mushy i just really want to have a lot of meat and broths and beans on our shelf and just good quality proteins so what 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 do you like to pressure can i like to pressure can pot <coughs> sorry <coughs> potatoes <laughs> we're a mess over here <coughs> oh goodness um 
I buy a bag of potatoes because I'm hungry for potatoes one night and we use about four of them and then we put the bag in the pantry and forget about it and then I walk into the pantry and it slaps me in the face and I'm like, what is that smell? <laughs> the smell of rotten potatoes is so disgusting. Um, so my big thing is I'll buy a big bag of it now and I'll just cube them up and then I pressure can them and anytime I'm hungry for potatoes, I just go get a can off the... Or jar off the shelf and either turn it into mashed potatoes or um, there's different processing times like if you're looking to use your potatoes for like potato salad then obviously you don't want to process them as long as you would potatoes that you'd be using for mashed potatoes because you still want them to be kind of firm um, so there's you know different times with that but I really like doing that and having that available and you'll sort of start to learn like how you like to have food prepared like missy said you know she knows for the most part her family's going to do mashed potatoes and she's going to want some soft potatoes um i have learned that i prefer to ground um brown my ground meat before i pressure can it because it'll cook in the pressure canner but then you're going to get like a dog food consistency or that's been my experience and i'm not into that so i always brown it first at least most of the way and then it'll cook off the rest of the way in the canner um and then I get nice crumbles, which is what we want from ground meat. Um, I love also pressure canning chunks of meat. So whether I cut up like a bison roast or, um, you know, chicken breasts, cut them up into pieces. And chicken is so friggin' easy. Like you literally cut raw pieces of chicken, drop them in your jar, put some water in, which then you're making your own chicken broth, and you pressure can it. It's seriously that simple. Beans are another one. Like you put in about a cup of beans, put in water... And can it. And you have, like, ready to go. Don't have to pre-soak. Don't have to anything. You just literally have beans ready to rock. So another thing, too, on potatoes is if you grow potatoes yourself, or even if you don't, if you wind up having ones that sprout, not rotted, but are sprouted, um, you can just, like, cut your sprout spots off. And then those are perfect to pressure can if you just need to, you know, use them in some way. So as far as storage goes, just like water bath canning, you just want to have, like, you know, wherever you keep your water bath stuff. So 55, somewhere in that ballpark, you know, not too hot, not too cold. You want things freezing and you don't want them sitting there boiling. So, you know, store it just like your water bath stuff. You should always label things, which I should be talking to myself here because right. there's all kinds of mystery jams on our shelf. Um, you know, I just go by the color and I figure, meh, this is probably blueberry. Um, so label your things, put your date on it. I, the ball jars say that things keep for 18 months. I would say that I keep things much longer than that. Probably yeah. a couple years before the the um, quality of the food starts to go down. I mean, obviously the goal is like we can it this summer. We use it. And by next summer, we need to put more on the shelf. Like that's always the cycle. But if you wind up having some potatoes left, some meat left, whatever, it, you know, it should be fine. Um, something else too is I usually, usually leave a good bit of my pressure canning for winter because in the summertime, most of the things I have coming in from the garden, I'm water bath canning, whether it's pickles, salsa, tomato sauce, you know, if I get grapes locally and we make grape juice, things like that. So I'm doing a lot of water bath canning and dehydrating and freeze drying the stuff from the garden in the spring, summer, fall. And then in the winter, I can use that time to can up beans and meats and empty my freezers to get ready for the birds that are going to be coming in and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's really all there is to pressure canning. It's really not as scary as I worked it up to be. I Missy actually pressure canned before me. I think you did 
Beef, beef stew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did beef stew first, and I think she did broth. Mm-hmm. Uh, bone broth that she made. Um, and I, it, it really, she's like, it's not scary. It's not a big deal. You know, whatever. And you did that with your sketchy canner. I did, yep. Yeah, before you got your good one. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, I would encourage you to go find a pressure canner. There's Miro, Presto, and All American. All American's definitely our favorite. But there's certainly plenty of people out there who use one without you know, the, the numbered gauge and they just use a weighted gauge and everything is honky dory. So yeah, I would encourage you to not be afraid. Um, they make the canners now that they'll actually withstand a whole lot more pressure than you can even put in the pan. So they all come with built-in safety features. Um, you know, you have the gasket that your weight sits on, that's going to blow out if it gets too high pressure. Um, there's, it's not as easy as you think to blow up your pressure canner, blow up your kitchen, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot harder. They're not going to sell a product that's simple for someone to blow, you know, to right. blow up. Like, you know, how many lawsuits and stuff they would have. Just do some research on it. Um, I know on All Americans' website, if you go on, they talk about their safety features and, you know, the things that they have in place. Like, they, they specifically don't do the rubber gasket because they like the, um, like the metal-on-metal um, contact with the widget spinners or whatever they call them. <laughs> widget spinners. Um, fidget spinners. <laughs> um, you know, because it, it keeps a better seal and keeps the pressure consistent. So just do some research. If you're really concerned about it, um, you know, go on their website and read about their safety features that they have. Uh, don't let it scare you enough to not want to do it. And I think, too, that just raises a good point about if you can get over your fear of it, if you're scared of it, um, that it's just another way to diversify your food stores because freezing meat or storing dry beans is all well and good. But as we've mentioned before, if your power goes out, your shelf falls, your mice get into your dry goods, you know, there's just all these scenarios that could happen. You just want to not have all your eggs in one basket and, uh, you know, just have a lot of diversity in the food that you're storing for your family. So... I'll link those books and a link to All Americans' website down below. Um, And I think our next series is going to be on homeschooling. So we're going to tackle homeschooling. We're going to talk about a little bit about homeschooling in Pennsylvania. Uh, Missy will just touch on what homeschooling has been like in Florida. Um, We'll talk about unschooling. We're going to talk a little bit about curriculums. Um, And then just kind of like what our day-to-day life looks like as homeschoolers slash unschoolers. So um, if that topic interests you, then, you know, follow us on, you know, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We put a new podcast out every Thursday. Typically, we would put it out first thing Thursday morning, but we had a little bit of technical difficulty. So um, anyway, if you have questions about homeschooling ahead of that podcast, send them over to us. Um, You can reach Missy at homesteadingroots at gmail.com or on her website at homesteadingroots.com. Or you can reach me at chapelhillforge at gmail.com or at chapelhillforge.com. So, or you can, uh, you know, join our group on Facebook that we've talked about, Wayward Homesteaders. And, um, you know, we always have great conversations going on there. So, hope you guys have a great day, and I hope this was helpful. Bye, friends.